welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Jewel. Aloha, Lauren. Uh, Aloha, Julia. That means hello and goodbye. Yes. What's happening? Oh, it's warm in here. That breeze. It smells like plumera. You're drinking out of a coconut. Mm, This is delicious. Don't touch that hot lava. It will burn my skin and my connective tissue. (laughs) What's happening? Today, we're in Hawaii. (gasps) Yay. And that's a... Because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about ready, Hawaii? everybody, just ready to immerse yourself in that oh. I- sweet, sweet island life. Mm, I'm loving it. Today's episode is Aloha from Hawaii. I love this. This so, is so good. Turns out, I don't think we knew as much about Hawaii as we think we did. I mean, I, I'm sure of that. Yes. <laughs> I think I will agree with you. All right, here we go. Oh, please. The state of Hawaii encompasses nearly the entire volcanic Hawaiian archipelago, which is made up of hundreds of islands spread over about 1,500 miles. Hawaii is the southernmost U.S. state and the second westernmost after Alaska. Um, Hawaii, like Alaska, does not border any other U.S. state. Mm, yes. And it is the only U.S. state that is not geographically located in North America. Great. Instead, it's part of, part of Oceania. Um, Hawaii is also the only state completely surrounded by water, and that is entirely an archipelago, and the only state in which coffee is commercially cultivable. Oh, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Hawaii is the most isolated population center on the face of the earth. What? It is about 2,400 miles from California, 3,850 miles from Japan, and about f- a little more than 5,000 miles from the Philippines. So it is like the most population that is... That is um, like in the middle of separated. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere, just separated out from all these other places. And yet I know three people (laughs) who live in Rochester who are from Hawaii. And and I don't know why they haven't gone back yet. I don't know either. Also, yes, Hawaii is closer to Alaska than it is to California. What? Mm -hmm. Wow. So that is an important... That's an important trivia tidbit. Okay, good to know. The closest state to Hawaii is actually Alaska. Huh. It's about 2,175 miles from the Samalga Islands in Alaska to Kauai. Um, Also, Hawaii is one of four U.S. states apart from the original 13, along with the Vermont Republic, the Republic of Texas, and the California Republic that were independent nations prior to statehood. And Mm. more on that in a bit. In addition to the eight main islands, the state has many smaller islands and islet. Okay, so the big eight islands in order from northwest to southeast. So this is traveling uh, diagonal from left to right on your on your brain map. On your brain map, big eight islands. So the first one is Niihau. That's N I I H A U. It is also known as the Forbidden Isle. Okay, starting off like right off the bat, the Forbidden Isle. So Niihau is privately managed by brothers Bruce and Keith Robinson, and access is restricted to only those who have permission from the owners or who are inhabitants of the island. Are you serious? Yes. 
So one of the eight main islands of Hawaii, you can't go there. Um, in 1864, <laughs> King Kamehameha V sold the island of Niihau to the Robinsons' ancestors, the Sinclair family, for $10,000 worth of gold. And according to some accounts, a requirement that the family would promise to preserve the native Hawaiian language and Niihau's unique way of life. So the Niihauans who remain on the island today live mostly as their native Hawaiian ancestors did with hunting and fishing taping up the majority of their days. Are there's you- no electricity. There's what? no internet there's no paved roads so this is like this is like i don't want to say primitive but like very um very basic native culture preserved on this privately owned island i am already just i'm freaking out Um, that's amazing when i first when i yeah when i first read that i was privately managed by brothers yeah i was like but actually like they're not yeah they're not like you know, some bajillionaires who own own one of the islands of Hawaii. They are um, kind of the caretakers of it for their from their family, and they help protect um, like the, the way of way life. Of life. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's insane! Yeah, that's so cool. And there are only an estimated seventy permanent residents on the island of Niihau. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next is uh, Kauai. That's K A U A I Kauai. It's um, the Garden Isle. So this is geologically the oldest of the main Hawaiian islands. It is covered in lush greenery, and it has been featured in more than seventy Hollywood movies and television shows. So chances wow. are, like, if you're watching a show that purports to be taking place in um, in Hawaii or like a very lush um, jungle, jungle like Lost or Jurassic oh, sure. Park, those those were all filmed on Kauai. Um, then you have Oahu, and uh, that's O-A-H-U. Um, it's known as the Gathering Place. Um, the state capital, Honolulu, is on Oahu's southeast coast. Okay. And well-known features also found on Oahu include Waikiki, Pearl Harbor, and Diamond Head. Uh, next is Molokai. That's M-O-L-O-K-A-I. That is the Friendly Isle. Okay, so this is also the place that in 1866, after leprosy had begun to swiftly spread among the Hawaiian population because there was no cure for it among that population. Sure. More than 100 victims were forcefully shipped to Kalopapa on the island of Molokai to live in complete isolation. And we'll talk a little bit more about the lepers later. Oh my gosh. Um, But at its peak in 1890, more than 1,000 people resided in that leper colony on Molokai. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then you have Lanai, that's L-A-N-A-I. It is known as the Pineapple Isle. Oh, fun. Because in the past, an island-wide pineapple plantation was basically everything there. Um, In June 2012, Larry Ellison, uh, then CEO of Oracle Corporation, purchased the company Castle & Cook's 98% share of the island for $300 million, and the state owns the remaining 2%. So this is the island that actually like a bajillionaire owns most of it, and... um, so this is the one we should be mad about. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Because they it's no longer like the pineapple plantations that it once it's was. It's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you have Kahoolawe. That's K-A-H-O-O-L-A-W-E. Kahoolawe. It is also known as the Target Isle. Okay. okay. I mean, not like the good one. Oh, man. Um, but... <laughs> It doesn't have any permanent inhabitants and access is restricted. It doesn't have its own freshwater source. It was used extensively as a military artillery test site for decades before becoming an exclusive nature reserve. So nobody lives on Kahoolawe. It doesn't have a freshwater source. It was used for like military testing. I don't like that. Yeah. 
Next is uh, Maui. That's M-A-U-I. Um, it's known as the Valley Isle because it has a very large isthmus separating its northwestern and southeastern volcanic masses. Lots of volcanoes in this okay. region, by yeah, the way. Yeah, no kidding. And then finally, Hawaii, the big island. Um, it is the largest island in the United States. And Kale is the southernmost point in the 50 states of the United States. And oh, that's okay. on Hawaii. So when you say, when you hear about like the southernmost point in the continental United States, mm-hmm. that's in Florida, yes. that's in the, um, that's in Key West. Yes. But in like the entirety of the United States, it's Hawaii. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Good to know. So I wrote you a poem to remember all this. Oh. Ready? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Nihau is forbidden. Kauai is green. Oahu has the capital. Molokai wasn't mean to the lepers. Lanai had the pineapples. Kahulave's pop is none. Maui is the valley owl. Hawaii is the big one. <laughs> that is so good. Uh, that I want to embroider that on a very large um, embroidery hoop. That's perfect. That's a great way so to there remember you go. those. Thank That's you. That's how to remember them in order, left to right, and what they are known for. Okay. So Hawaii's tallest mountain, Mauna Kea, that's M-A-U-N-A-K-E-A, is 13,796 feet above mean sea level. So it is taller than Mount Everest if measured from the base of the mountain, which lies on the floor of the Pacific Ocean and rises about 33,500 feet. (laughs) Remember, check out episode seven, Ain't No Mountains High Enough, if you just can't get enough mountain talk. Oh, that's... Very cool, but 33,500 feet. It's so, oh my God, the ocean is so deep and dark and cold. <laughs> I'm just terrified by it. So the extant main islands of the archipelago have been above the surface of the ocean for fewer than 11 million years. Oh, wow. Because the islands of Hawaii are distant from other land habitats, life is thought to have arrived there by the three W's, wind, waves, and wings. Oh. So wind, obviously like... Uh, waves like ocean currents and wings like birds, insects, and other seeds that they may have carried on their feathers oh, or on their, okay. on their bodies. Um, so this isolation in combination with the diverse environment, including extreme altitudes, tropical climates, and arid shorelines, allowed for the evolution of new endemic flora and fauna. Uh, Hawaii has more endangered species and has lost a higher percentage of its endemic species than any other U.S. state. Oh, wow. Uh, Climates vary considerably on each island. They can be divided into windward and leeward areas based on upon location relative to the higher mountains. So windward sides faced cloud cover. Um, Okay. So you might... So depending on where you are on the island, like if you're on one side of the mountain, the other side of the mountain, you might a totally different... That's crazy. Totally different weather. Um, And Hawaii is the only state to have never recorded sub-zero Fahrenheit temperatures. So keep that on your list. Oh, man. Yeah, that's nice. the beginning of February again here. Uh, Several areas in Hawaii are under the protection of the National Park Service. Um, Hawaii has two national parks. Haleakala, that's H-A-L-E-K-A-L-A. Haleakala National Park on the island of Maui, which features the dormant volcano um, Halekala, which formed East Maui. And Hawaii Volcanoes National Park in the southeast region of the Hawaii Island, which includes the active volcanoes Kilauea and its rift zones. Um, Mauna Loa is the world's biggest active volcano, by the way. Um, Mauna Loa's most recent eruption occurred from March 24th to April 15th, 1980. But no recent eruptions of the volcano have caused fatalities, though eruptions in 1926 and 1950 destroyed villages. Um, 
those dates are too close to today. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'll say it. Yes. <laughs> Mauna Loa, the world's biggest active volcano. Oh my God. Terrifying. Other areas under the control of the National Park Service include Ala Kahaka National Historic Trail on Hawaii Island and the USS Arizona Memorial at Pearl Harbor on Oahu. The Papahanaumoku Akea Marine National Monument was proclaimed by President Bush in June 2006. The name Papahanaumakaeakea comes from an ancient Hawaiian tradition concerning the genealogy and formation of the Hawaiian Islands in a deep honoring of the dualisms of life. So Papahanaumaku is a mother figure personified by the earth and Wakea is a father figure personified in the expansive sky. The two are honored and highly recognized ancestors of native Hawaiian people. Their union resulted in the creation of the entire Hawaiian archipelago. So the monument was named to honor and preserve these names to strengthen Hawaii's cultural foundation and to ground Hawaiians to an important part of their history. The monument covers roughly 140,000 square miles of reefs, atolls, and shallow and deep sea out to 50 miles offshore in the Pacific Ocean, an area larger than all of the national parks in the U.S. combined. What? So the biggest national park in the U.S. is Papahanaumakuakea. Oh my gosh. So we spread all that down. Uh, Oh wait, it's a lot of letters. (laughs) All right, so now... Now you have some some geography yeah, foundation. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So a little bit of Hawaiian history. So the islands were first settled by Polynesians sometime between 124 and 1120 AD. There's a lot of debate. Um, and Hawaiian civilization was isolated from the rest of the world for at least 500 years. But I'll start in the late 15th century with Lilo, a legendary ruler of the island of Hawaii. His line is traced to Hawaiian creation. So Lilo had two sons, his firstborn Hakau from his wife, who was also his mother's sister, uh, and his second son, Umiya Lilo, from his lesser ranking wife. So upon his death, the line elevated Hakau, the first son, as ruler and de- delegated religious authority to Umi, the second son. But after Hakau was killed, Umi became the ruling district high chief of Hawaii and was considered a just ruler. Umi unified the Big Island and may have created the hierarchical land system called Ahuapa'a. Ali'i in the Hawaiian language refers to the hereditary line of rulers. So in ancient Hawaiian society, the Ali'i were the hereditary nobles, which was like the social class. Sure. So the, the Ali'i consisted of the higher and lesser chiefs of the various levels within the islands. The Noho Ali'i were the ruling chiefs. Um, so the Ali'i were believed to be descended from the gods and they governed with divine power called mana, which was derived from the spiritual energy of their ancestors. Wow. There were 11 classes of Ali'i. I'm not getting into that, but both men and women. Um, these included the kahuna, were, who were the priests and priestesses craftsmen, experts, and canoe makers as part of four professions practiced by the nobility. Each island had its own alihi nui who governed their individual systems. Okay. So it was like a political system, like governors or... Yes. Okay. So they thought that, you know, the, the ruling chiefs were were descended from the divine powers. Okay. Um, and then the, the kahuna were a, kind of a high class within... Within the nobility. That. Okay. Uh, the Hawaiian agricultural system contained two major classes there. So they had irrigated and rain-fed systems. And the rain-fed were really like dry land that oh, okay. depended on rainfall. Um, irrigated systems mainly supported taro or kalo cultivation. And rain-fed systems cultivated uala, which are sweet potatoes, yams, and dryland taro, along with coconuts called nu, breadfruit called ulu, bananas, maya, and sugarcane, ko. 
Uh, Hawaiians domesticated dogs, chickens, and pigs, and they also grew personal gardens at home. Because, oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, so it's beautiful. a beautiful paradise. Why yeah. wouldn't you? Beautiful paradise. Well, here come the Europeans. Oh, no. So Captain James Cook, a British explorer, navigator, cartographer, and captain in the Royal Navy. Um, so he made detailed maps of Newfoundland prior to making three voyages to the Pacific Ocean, during which he achieved the first recorded European contact with the eastern coastline of Australia and the Hawaiian Islands, and the first recorded circumnavigation of New Zealand. On his third voyage to the Pacific, he encountered Hawaii. Ready? Boy. Captain Cook first sighted the islands in January 1778. Cook anchored off the coast of Kauai and met with the local inhabitants to trade and obtain water and food for their continued voyage. In February 1778, so just a month later, Cook continued on to the coast of North America and Alaska, searching for a Northwest Passage for approximately nine months. He returned to the Hawaii chain to resupply, initially exploring the coasts of Maui and Hawaii Island to trade. He anchored in Kilauea Bay on January 1779. Cook and his crew were initially welcomed and treated with honor as his arrival coincided with the Mahahiki season, an ancient New Year festival in honor of the god Lono of the Hawaiian religion and a celebration of the yearly harvest. So he gets oh, no. there. He gets there when everybody's in a good mood. A Great. Yeah. However, after Cook and the crews of both ships, the HMS Resolution and the HMS Discovery left the islands, the festival season had ended and the season for battle and war had begun. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> so festival season's over. Let's wartime. do this. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so war had begun under the worship and rituals for Kuka Ilimoku, the god of war. So although Cook's previous visits may have coincided with native traditional seasons, the natives had soured on Cook and his men by the time of his initial departure. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. One instance recorded in the diary of John Ledyard, who was a member of Cook's crew and like kept a, kept a diary, says that during Cook's initial visit, he attempted to barter and forcibly stole the wood used to border the native sacred Morai burial ground, oh my gosh. which was used for high-ranking individuals and depictions of their gods. Wow. So, so he shows up, <laughs> he needs some supplies, and he's like, ah, could really use some of that wood to help build my ship up and they're like no this is sacred and he was, he was like, like but mm, you're I'm not take using it, it. i'm gonna like, take it's it just over here yeah like literally so, the worst thing he could have done yeah he's not he's not, he's a, not a great guy in this no, story i can't imagine so after departing kilauakea he returned in february 1779 after ship's mast broke in bad weather on the night of february 13th 1779 while anchored in the bay one of his only two longboats, which were lifeboats used to ferry um, to and from ship to shore. So one of his longboats was stolen by the Hawaiians. Uh, yeah, okay. I would too. In retaliation, Cook tried to kidnap the what? ruling chief of the Hawaii Island. Oh my God. Kalani Opu. So on February 14, 1779, Cook marched through the village to retrieve the king. Cook took the king by his own hand and led him willingly away. Uh, one of Kalani Opu's favorite wives, uh, Kaneka Polai and two chiefs approached the group as they were heading to the boats and they pleaded with the king not to go because he looked like he was just like walking, yeah, walking along with Cook. Walking with him. Um, so an old kahuna, uh, a priest there, he was chanting rapidly while holding out a coconut attempting to distract Cook and his men as a large crowd began to form at the shore. <laughs> The king began to understand that Cook was his enemy. When Cook and his men looked away from the old kahuna, they saw that the beach was now filled with thousands of native Hawaiians. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as the townspeople began to gather around them, Cook and his men began to back away from the crowd and raise their guns. Oh, no. Um, Kana'ina, 
approached Cook, who reacted by striking the chief with the broadside of his sword. Kanaina instantly grabbed Cook and lifted him up in the air. And some accounts state that Kanaina did not intend to hit Cook, while other descriptions say the chief struck the navigator across the head with his with his like big stick. Oh, um, no. Either way, Kanaina released Cook, who fell to the sand. And as he tried to get up, the attendant Nua fatally stabbed him with a metal <gasps> dagger coincidentally traded from Cook's ship during the same visit. Oh my gosh. They gave him the very sword that they would eventually kill him with. Yeah. So this turned into a big skirmish. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, four of the Royal Marines were killed and two were wounded. Uh, and the remaining sailors and Marines fired as they fled to their small boat and rowed back to their ship, injuring and killing dozens of native Hawaiians oh, on the beach. Uh, Cook ships did not leave Kilakuea Bay for another eight days, where they remained to continue repair of the mast and collect better quality drinking water. And according to John Ledyard's journal, hundreds of natives were shot in a series of ongoing skirmishes and the ship's cannon was used <gasps> on several occasions. Oh, come on, guys. Yeah, this didn't, this was bad, bad oh, trip for, just bad. for them. So um, following their practice at the time, the islanders actually prepared Cook's body with funerary rituals, usually reserved for the chiefs and highest elders of the society. So even though uh, he was kind of bad to them and he was killed, they still were trying to treat his body with respect. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they recognize like, well, this guy's in charge. So he's got to be like, like us, like the kahuna. So we got to. You know, give his body proper respect. So in this case, proper respect. This might be a, I don't know, cover your ears if you're you're squeamish for like 30 seconds. Um, So the body was disemboweled, baked to facilitate removal of the flesh, and the the bones were carefully cleaned for preservation as religious icons in a fashion somewhat reminiscent of the treatment of European saints in the Middle Ages. Oh my gosh. And some of Cook's remains in preserved form were eventually returned to his crew for a formal burial at sea. Oh no! Oh no! So they baked him. They, they scooped him out like a potato and baked his outsides. Oh Lord! Uh, Cook's arrival in Hawaii was followed by mass migrations of Europeans and Americans to the islands. Um, formerly, the group was known to Europeans and North Americans as the Sandwich Islands. Okay, so if okay. you hear term about if you hear see something in a Moby Dick book or something, oh, okay. it talks about the Sandwich Islands. They actually mean the Hawaiian, Hawaiian Islands. Islands. Yeah, um, the name Sandwich Islands was chosen by James Cook in honor of then First Lord of the Admiralty John Montague, Fourth Earl of Sandwich. Of course, the same exact Earl who was supposedly the, <gasps> the namesake. Same sandwich the guy. Same guy. He got both the world's best food and the most beautiful islands. <laughs> What the luckiest him. bastard who's ever lived. Yep. Man. <sighs> Earl of Sandwich. Um, so we have a very busy 19th and 20th century. Sure, yeah. Ahead of us. So the Kingdom of Hawaii was sovereign from 1810 till 1893 when the monarchy was overthrown by resident American and European capitalists and landholders. Oh but we'll get there. So the main ruling house you need to know with the Kingdom of Hawaii is the house of Kamehameha where okay. there were five kings in total with that moniker. And there's some real interesting stuff with all these kings, Kamehameha, but if I got into all of it, this episode would be like 17 hours long. Um, so just a few tidbits. So Kamehameha the Great, or Kamehameha the First was the founder and first ruler of the Kingdom of Hawaii. It was prophesied that a light in the sky with feathers like a bird would signal the birth of a great chief. Ooh. So historians believe he was born in 1758, the year Halley's Comet passed over oh, Hawaii. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keeps showing up in things. Yeah, it really it? does. 
He trained as a warrior and his legendary strength was proven when he overturned the Naha Stone, which reportedly weighed between two and a half and three and a half tons. Oh my gosh. And you can still see the Naha Stone today in Hilo. Um, as a ruler, Kamehameha unified the Hawaiian Islands into one royal kingdom in 1810. Great. Great. Uh, one more quick story. Kamehameha II and his wife visited Great Britain in 1824. And while there, they toured all sorts of great landmarks and institutions. And by the time that King George IV was ready to meet with them, they had already both fallen ill um, and ended up dying of the measles. Are you because serious? They're beautiful Hawaiian bodies didn't have the immunity for of it. And one not. of the places that their British tour guides took them was the Royal Military Asylum. No. Oh, my God. What? Vaccinate your children. Vaccinate your children. <laughs> by the way, Misinfopod as an institution is pro-vax. We are by the pro-vax. Way. Please vaccinate your children and yourselves. And our lawyer said it's fine for us to yes. say that. Yes. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> So American Protestant missionaries to Hawaii converted many Hawaiians to Christianity. Uh, they used their influence to end many traditional cultural practices. And during the reign of the third Kamehameha, Hawaii turned into a Christian monarchy with the signing of the 1840 Constitution. Catholic and Mormon missionaries were also active in the kingdom, but they converted a minority of the native Hawaiian population. Many Native Hawaiians had high mortality rates to such Eurasian infectious diseases as yeah. smallpox, cholera, influenza, whooping cough, and say it with me, tuberculosis. Syphilis. Oh, no. Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> probably syphilis. also tuberculosis. Though. I mean, you're probably. Right. You're right. You're not wrong. <laughs> so I was so ready for that. I was like, oh, it's tuberculosis. <laughs> I'm going to say it. We're going to say it at the same time. Oh, One day. Man. Next time. So all these were brought to the Hawaiian Islands by foreign traders, sailors, and immigrants. Um, thousands of Hawaiians died of these diseases to which they had no acquired immunity. Sure. Uh, missionaries from each major group administered to the leper colony at Kalaupapa on Molokai, which was established in 1866 and operated well into the 20th century. So leprosy. Uh, that's also called Hansen's disease. Oh. It's a long-term bacterial infection. Um, initially, a person who's infected does not have symptoms and typically remains this way for five to 20 years. What? Symptoms that develop include granulomas of the nerves respiratory tract skin and eyes so basically yeah. like you might can you might get leprosy might not come out of your body for five to 20 years but when it does it's like it's real bad big bumps and uh, bumps and lumps and pustules just oh, kind of Lord. all over your all over your body Mama mia. um it also results in a lack of ability to feel pain which can lead to the loss of body parts due to repeated injuries or infection due to unnoticed wounds. So when you like hear oh, colloquially yeah. about people like talking about like, oh yeah, the lepers and their skin was falling off. Well, it was more like they just, they could, they couldn't feel pain anymore. And so like maybe you were exposed to the elements somehow or like maybe um, you, I don't know. So you would lose digits and mm -hmm. like accidents and like from gangrene because yeah, you don't feel pain. Yeah, because you don't feel that yeah. you had like an infection or an injury. Oh my God. <sighs> anyway, super treatable. Oh, sure. It's like a bacterial cured, infection. Really, it's, um, you just need like a, a week's worth of drugs. A round in, of antibiotics. And you're fine nowadays. But um, back back then, 19th century, it was, and, and earlier, obviously, it was, it was almost... Almost like a death. Can sense. you imagine like getting like it's so minor today? Mm -hmm. Be like, you know, my friend Tyler, he had leprosy. <laughs> right. Like there what? are some animals that I think still carry it, but yes. it's so Oh, what is it? I think it's like did I say it was like an like an Oh uh, armadillos? Armadillos yeah. carry leprosy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
1865, out of fear of this contagious disease, Hawaiian King Kamehameha V and the Hawaiian legislature passed the act to prevent the spread of leprosy. Good. Just like super straightforward. Yeah. Like, let's not do awesome. this. This law quarantined the lepers of Hawaii, requiring the most serious cases to be moved to the settlement colony of Kalawao on the eastern end of the Kalopapa Peninsula on Molokai. Uh, the best known missionaries there were Father Damien, who you've probably heard of, and oh, then yeah. Mother Marianne Cope, um, both of whom were canonized in the early 21st century as Roman Catholic saints. So basically, these were missionaries who dedicated their lives to helping the people in the leper colony and then eventually, con- you know, got leprosy themselves and then died of it. So it's oh. kind of like a, you know, martyr type thing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. part of, that's one of the three things you need to do to become a saint. Yeah. Yeah. Lepers. Yeah. Lepers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rough one. He's like, can I, mm, pl- can I help birds or something? I don't know. Broken on the wheel. I don't know. That seems better. <laughs> So in 1873, the death of the bachelor king, Kamehameha V, so he didn't marry, didn't have an heir, resulted in the popular election of William Charles Lunalilo, who became the first elected monarch of the Hawaiian kingdom. Oh, wow. There had been several candidates for the Hawaiian throne, including royal family member Bernice Pahau Bishop, more on her later, who had been asked to succeed to the throne by Kamehameha V on his deathbed, but had declined the offer. So he like picked out, you know, this lady and his family to be the ruler, and she was like... Actually, uh, that's okay. That's fine. Um, <laughs> no, thanks. So the election was centered on the two high-ranking male chiefs um, there in the kingdom. So Lunalilo and Kalaukawa. So Lunalilo was more popular partly because he was a higher-ranking chief than Kalaukawa and was the immediate cousin of Kamehameha V. Uh, Lunalilo was also the more liberal of the two. Um, he promised to amend the constitution to give the people a greater voice in their government. So he won. Great. But... He died the next year. What? Also without naming an heir. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. So a year later, 1874, Kalakaua was elected to the vacant throne against Queen Emma, who was the queen consort of Kamehameha IV. Uh, within a year of Kalauka's election, he helped negotiate the Reciprocity Treaty of 1875. So this was a free trade agreement between the U.S. and Hawaii that allowed sugar and other products to be exported to the U.S. duty-free. Okay. Um, and its renewal continued to the um, have prosperity and allow the U.S. to have exclusive use of Pearl Harbor. Mm. In 1881, he took a trip around the world to encourage the immigration of contract sugar plantation workers. Um, Kalakaua wanted Hawaiians to broaden their education beyond their nation, and he instituted a government finance program to sponsor qualified students to be sent abroad to further their education. Okay. Um, two of Kalakaua's projects, um, the statue of Kamehameha I and the rebuilding of the Aialani Palace in 1882. That was the royal residency of um, Kamehameha III onward. Okay. Um, so this the statue and the palace, they were expensive endeavors, but they are they continue to be popular tourist attractions today. Um, Aialani Palace is the only royal palace on U.S. soil. Oh, mm-hmm. ooh, okay, good to know. That's yeah. very good. In 1887, Kalakaua signed the 1887 Constitution of the Kingdom of Hawaii. This is also referred to as the Bayonet Constitution uh, because it was drafted by white businessmen and lawyers, stripping the king of much of his authority. Oh, my um, God. It established a property qualification for voting that effectively disenfranchised most Hawaiians and immigrant <gasps> laborers and favored the wealthier white elite. See? A democracy in action. Oh my gosh, a democracy. Uh Uh, Resident whites were allowed to vote, but resident Asians were not. Um, King Kalakaua, reduced to a figurehead, reigned until his death in 1891. And his sister, Queen Lili Uwakalani, succeeded him, and she was the last monarch of Hawaii. Okay. So, born Lydia Kamakea, she became crown princess in 1877 after the death of her youngest brother made her the heir apparent to her elder brother, King Kalakaua. She took the throne in 1891, becoming the first woman ever to 
rule Hawaii. As queen, she acted to implement a new constitution that would restore the powers lost to the monarchy through the Bayonet Constitution. Um, also, she was a musical composer. Oh. Um, her most famous song is called Aloha Oe, also Farewell to Thee, which remains a common cultural symbol for Hawaii. Oh, that's cool. So, um, in 1893, Queen Liliuokalani announced plans for a new constitution to proclaim herself an absolute monarch. Great. On January 14th of that year, a group of mostly European-American business leaders and residents formed the Committee of Safety to stage a coup d'etat against the kingdom and seek annexation by the United States. Oh, my gosh. Three days later, Queen Liliuokalani was overthrown and replaced by a provisional government composed of members of the Committee of Safety. So essentially, um, the U.S. minister to the kingdom of Hawaii, um, John L. Stevens, conspired with U.S. citizens to overthrow the monarchy. Oh, my this God. doesn't sound I'm like this should be allowed right no um after the overthrow lawyer sanford b dole oh, of God. dole pineapple uh became president of the republic when the provisional government of hawaii ended on july 4th 1894 um and then he served until about 1900 when hawaii became a u.s territory um, controversy ensued in the following years as the queen tried to regain her throne. The administration of President Grover Cleveland, my boy, <gasps> your boy, commissioned the Blount Report, which concluded that the removal of Liliua Kalani had been illegal. Yeah. Uh, the U.S. government first demanded that Queen Liliua Kalani be reinstated, but the provisional government there refused. Congress conducted an independent investigation and in February 1894 submitted the Morgan Report, which found all parties, with the exception of the Queen, not guilty and not what? responsible for the coup. So partisans on both sides of the debate questioned the accuracy and impartiality of both the Blount and Morgan reports over the events that year. In 1993, the U.S. Congress passed a joint apology resolution regarding the overthrow, signed by President Bill Clinton. Uh, the resolution apologized and said that the overthrow was illegal in the following phrase. Quote, the Congress, on the occasion of the 100th anniversary of the illegal overthrow of the Kingdom of Hawaii on January 17, 1893, acknowledges the historical significance of this event, which resulted in the suppression of the inherent sovereignty of the native Hawaiian people. So, I mean, this was like 100 years too late. OK, yeah. So I, I don't know how much. I mean, great. Thank you. I thanks, guess. Thanks. Yeah. But we're still like too late. Still, yeah. So they basically like deposed the, the queen. Um, after William McKinley won the 1896 U.S. presidential election, advocates pressed to annex the Republic of Hawaii. So the previous president, my boy Grover Cleveland, mm -hmm. was a friend of Queen Lilio Kalani. And McKinley met with three non-native annexationists. And after negotiations in June 1897, Secretary of State John Truman agreed to a treaty of annexation with these representatives of the Republic of Hawaii. The U.S. Senate never ratified the treaty. Um, but despite the opposition of most native Hawaiians, the Newlands Resolution was used to annex the Republic to the United United States, and it became the territory of Hawaii. In 1900, Hawaii was granted self-governance and retained Aialani Palace as the territorial capital building. Despite several attempts to become a state, Hawaii remained a territory for 60 years. Plantation owners and capitalists who maintained control through financial institutions such as the Big Five found territorial status convenient because they remained able to import cheap foreign labor. Fast forward a couple decades, Oahu was the target of a surprise attack on Pearl Harbor by Imperial Japan on December 7th, 1941. Yep, the day that will live in infamy. Yes. The attack on Pearl Harbor and other military and naval installations carried out by aircraft and midget submarines oh. brought the United States into World War II. During the war, the territory of Hawaii was placed under martial law and oh. the civilian government was dissolved and a military governor was appointed. Oh, that's some dystopian shit. <laughs> yeah. Right there. Martial law here. There it goes. Uh-huh. Uh, there is a fun side story here. Uh, in 1942, so shortly after Pearl Harbor, the American government became worried about what would happen if Japan invaded Hawaii. Sure. sure. 
Specifically, officials were concerned about all the U.S. money on the islands. So the government recalled all of the paper money in the territory, asking the people and businesses to trade in their money for freshly printed bills. Okay, Okay. Okay, right? So these bills looked fairly standard, except the word Hawaii is stamped across (laughs) them in like big giant letters. (laughs) What? Um, So the U.S. government also issued strict rules about how much money anyone in Hawaii could carry. So individuals could have no more than $200 in cash and businesses were capped at $500. So this is like a weird reverse ATM situation, I think. Oh my gosh. Um, The government collected about $200 million of currency. And instead of putting it into circulation on the mainland or stockpiling it somewhere, the government decided that the simplest solution was no. to burn it. No, are you serious? Yes. What? So that was when we were still in the gold standard, wasn't it? Uh, forty-four. Mm, I thought we could, ended the gold standard be. in the seventies. Yeah. Anyway, we'll have to look. Yeah. We'll have so to look that up. Officials, they're like, "Yep, we got to burn, Let's burn this it. big Let's pile burn of money." This pile of money. So they started out by trying to incinerate the massive piles of money at a crematorium in Honolulu. Uh-huh. Uh, but then when they couldn't burn the cash fast enough, they commandeered some furnaces at a sugar mill in Oahu to finish the job. Um, so the government just burned, just burned two hundred million dollars wow. in cash. Just one bad decision after another. Yeah. What? Um, the gold standard ended in uh, nineteen seventy-one. By the okay. way, just FYI. Perfect. Uh, By October 1944, the U.S. no longer felt the threat from Japan, and they took the emergency bills out of circulation and allowed normal currency to re-enter Hawaii. But, I mean, still um, out there, there are still some of these special Hawaii bills. And, like, they they fetch a pretty penny by money collectors. um, Ooh, I always forget. It's not philately. Or is it numismatists? Numismatists. Numismatists Mm -hmm. are all over those. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. You got to be a, yeah. if you're if you're going to be a serious numismatist. Yes, uh, if you're you a numismatist worth their coin, oh, <laughs> worth their weight in gold. Oh, hey, oh, coin We're very jokes. Good at this. Money jokes. Money Are you jokes. also listening? Um, <laughs> so, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed the Hawaii Admission Act on. March 18th, 1959, which allowed for Hawaiian statehood. Um, After a popular referendum in which 93% voted in favor of statehood, Hawaii was admitted as the 50th state on August 21st, 1959. After attaining statehood, Hawaii quickly modernized through construction and a rapidly growing tourism economy. Uh, Later, state programs promoted Hawaiian culture. And the Hawaii State Constitutional Convention of 1978 created institutions such as the Office of Hawaiian Affairs to promote indigenous language and culture. Great. Now, now they want to celebrate indigenous yeah. <laughs> language and culture. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But uh, speaking of Hawaiian language, English and Hawaiian are listed as Hawaii's official languages in the state's constitution. However, the use of Hawaiian is limited because the constitution specifies that Hawaiian shall be required for public acts and transactions only as provided by law. The Hawaiian language has about 2,000 native speakers. That's about 0.15% of the total population. According to the U.S. Census, there were over 24,000 total speakers of the language in Hawaii in about 2006. Hawaiian is a Polynesian member of the Austronesian language family and is closely related to other Polynesian languages, such as Tahitian, Maori, and Rapa Nui. Hawaii's sign language, a sign language for the deaf based on the Hawaiian language, has been in use in the island since the early 1800s. Um, It is dwindling in numbers now, though, due to the American Sign Language supplant HSL through schooling and other various domains. So the Hawaiian language. Um, Hawaiian distinguishes between long and short vowel sounds. In modern practice, vowel length is indicated with a macron, also called a 
kaheko. So that's like that lo- that line above a vowel. Yes. It's a macron or in, in Hawaiian, a kaheko. Hawaiian language newspapers published from 1834 to 1948 and traditional native speakers of Hawaiian generally omit the, the like the diacritic marks in their own writing. Okay. The okina... Um, and the kahako are intended to help non-native speakers. So the Hawaiian language uses the glottal stop called an okina as a consonant. Um, it is written as a symbol similar to the apostrophe or left hanging opening single quotation mark. So it's kind of like a reverse apostrophe, like a six instead of a nine. I see. Okay. Is an okina. And then a, a kahako is the line, like I said. The current official Hawaiian alphabet consists of 13 letters. Oh, oh my goodness. 13 letters, five vowels. Okay. A-E-I-O and U. Great. Great. Vowels are easy. Eight consonants. Ready? Okay. H, K, L, M, N, P, W, and Okina. Okay. The Okina symbol is a consonant in the Hawaiian alphabet. Oh, so, okay. So in the in the native Hawaiian, yes. the word Hawaii, uh-huh. so the uh, is a glottal stop, and that's a consonant. So that is its own thing. Yes. It's like... um. Uh, Tosa, like um, the clicking in certain African okay. languages. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So um, the Okina is, um, yeah, it's that, it's that glottal stop there. Um, alphabetical order in the Hawaiian language differs from the normal Latin order in that the vowels come first and then the consonants. And the Okina is ignored for purposes of al- alphabetization, but it is included as a consonant. So mm. maybe remember all this for later on. <laughs> A-E-I-O and you. Okay. H K L M N P W and Okina. Do you, oh yeah, so I guess you call it Okina and not <laughs> every time people are <laughs> really like, hard. "Do you need a glass of okay? water?" Um, so some fun things about native Hawaiian culture. Great. Hula. Oh right? yes. Okay. Okay. So the original hula dance originated with Polynesians who voyaged to the Hawaiian Islands. Okay. Polynesians landed on the Hawaiian Islands and further developed the native hula dance there. So hula falls into two categories: hula oana and hula kahiko. Hula Kahiko is the original hula dance that was refined before any outside influence. So it's accompanied by chants or traditional instruments like gourd drums or bamboo sticks. And Hula Oana is hula that was changed by Western influences and performed with musical instruments that don't originate from the Hawaiian Islands. So things like the guitar and the double bass. There are also two main positions of a hula dance. You are either sitting in the noho dance or standing in the luna dance. Oh, sitting dance. That sounds comfortable. Yes. I'll dance. Bring it on. Um, some dances utilize both forms, and hula dancing is a complex art form with many hand motions used to represent the words in a song or chant. Oh, so, cool. for example, hand movements can signify aspects of nature, such as the swaying of a tree in the breeze or a wave in the ocean or a feeling or emotion, um, like fondness or yearning. Or, oh, okay. You know, I guess. So uh, foot and hip movements often pull from a basic library of steps. Um, so since 1964, the Merry Monarch Festival has become an annual one-week-long hula competition held in the spring attracting visitors from all over the world and it is to honor king david kalakawa who was also known as the merry monarch who revived the art of hula in the islands oh that's cool mm-hmm. with traditional hawaiian religion you have many gods and heroes uh wakea the sky father wed pabahanamaku mm-hmm. the earth mother. from their union came all others including the other gods um hawaii religion was polytheistic with four deities the most prominent these are kane that's k-a-n-e 
Kane is the highest of the four major Hawaiian deities. He's associated with dawn, sun, sky, forest, jungles, and wild foods. Cool. He's the god of procreation and the ancestor of all humans, both chiefs and commoners. And his brothers are Ku and Lono. Um, Ku, which is K-U, he's the god of war. Lono, L-O-N-O, is the god of agriculture and peace. And then there's also Kanaloa, K-A-N-A-L-O-A. He's the god of the oceans, the complementary power of Kane, and also considered to be the god of the underworld and teacher of magic. Cool. Um, some of the other um, Hawaiian deities whom you may have heard of include Pele, who's the fire and volcano oh, yeah. goddess. Um, that's that's the big one that comes up, I think. The Alei, you know, any series of objects strung together with the intent to be worn. Oh, Usually sure. Usually like flowers or nuts or things from nature. Mm-hmm. Um, the most popular concept of Alei in Hawaiian culture is a wreath of flowers presented upon arriving or leaving as a symbol of affection. On May 1st each year, Hawaiians celebrate Lei Day, which was first conceived in 1927 by poet Don Blanding and established in 1929. Lei Day is a celebration of Hawaiian culture or the aloha spirit, and people commonly celebrate by giving gifts of leis to one another. Schools also put on plays and elect a Lei Day court of kings and queens to represent the different islands and each island is symbolized in pageantry by a specific type of lei and a specific color nice hawaiian food oh yes right? here i am drinking a can of sparkling pineapple water Ooh, mm. getting that island life so refreshing the cuisine of Hawaii is a fusion of many foods brought by immigrants to the Hawaiian Islands, including the earliest Polynesians and Native American cuisine, and fusion from various European and American countries. Plant and animal food sources are obviously imported from around the world for agricultural use in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Notable Hawaiian dishes include the plate lunch. Okay, so that's two scoops of white rice, macaroni salad, and an entree. Does this sound a little familiar um, to you? That sounds like a proto-garbage <laughs> plate. That's what I'm thinking. So the entrees in a plate lunch can include kalo pork, which is pulled pork, lao lao, which is steamed fish and pork wrapped in taro leaves and a tea leaf, beef teriyaki, or chicken katsu, which is uh, fried boneless chicken breaded with panko. And that sounds delicious. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, poke is um, diced raw fish served either as an appetizer or as a main course and usually tuna or octopus. Loco moco is hamburger patties served with gravy and topped with two eggs. Uh, yeah, I'd eat that. Poi is mashed taro root. Mm, okay. Uh, Portuguese sausage, eggs, and rice is one of the most common breakfasts of Hawaii. Um, and it, it includes the linguiça, Portuguese sausage, eggs, and white rice. Ooh, that stuff is good. And then you also have Hawaiian shave ice. Very oh, popular. Okay. So um, while the product might resemble a snow cone, snow cones are made with crushed ice and shave ice is, you know, it produces a very fine ice that appears like snow and flavored syrups are added to this ice that are absorbed by the ice rather than surrounding it. Like so in a snow cone, you could like slurp that yeah. sweet, sweet blue raspberry juice mm. out of it. But with shave ice, it gets absorbed into it. It's supposed to be a very delicious, delicious. treat. And you can't talk about Hawaiian food without talking about spam. Oh, yeah. I was actually, I was going to mention waiting. spam if you yeah. weren't. Yeah. So per capita, Hawaiians are the second largest consumers of spam in the world, just right behind Guam. Out of control. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Spam was originally brought to Hawaii by American servicemen, but it became an important source of protein for locals after fishing around the islands was prohibited during World War II. Spam is used in local dishes in a variety of ways, most commonly fried and served with rice. For breakfast, fried eggs are often served with spam. Mm. And spam can also be wrapped in leaves and roasted, skewered, and deep fried or stir fried with cabbage. It's added to salmon and fried rice, mashed with tofu, served with cold somen and baked macaroni and cheese. It is also used in sandwiches with mayonnaise or baked with guava jelly. And if you're into adventurous eating at the sushi bar, try Spam Masubi, which is a slice of fried Spam upon a bed of rice wrapped with a strip of nori. Mm-mm, good. 
Man, and spam is, I think, a um, an, a Minnesota invention. <laughs> or um, now, right? I think, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so those two states could not be farther from each other in every <laughs> possible way. So it's really amazing that they share a packaged meat product. Yeah. <laughs> I got a couple more bullets of other Hawaiian facts. Please, okay, lay them on me. By the way, Hawaii is still growing. <laughs> Okay. What? <laughs> Over the past 80 or so million years, the Pacific Plate, Hawaii's tectonic home, has been slowly moving over a volcanic hotspot below, causing the island chain as we now know it to emerge steadily from the ocean. Wow. The hotspot is still causing Kilauea and Mauna Loa to extend their lava fields out into the ocean. This hotspot will also cause Loihi, the state's ninth and newest island, to break the surface. Loihi is a seamount or underwater peak located about 20 miles off the coast of the Big Island, but don't worry, you have a few thousand years before you need to commit uh, its name to memory. The Bernice Pauahi Bishop Museum, designated the Hawaii State Museum of Natural and Cultural History, is the Museum of History and Science in the historic Kalihi District of Honolulu on the Hawaiian island, Oahu. Okay. Founded in 1889, is the largest museum in Hawaii and has the world's largest collection of Polynesian cultural artifacts and natural history specimens. Besides the comprehensive exhibits of Hawaiiana, the museum's total holding of natural history specimens exceeds 24 million. What? What? Yeah. What? 24 million natural history specimens. At this I'm sorry. Place. Uh, how many collections managers do they have? <laughs> Because that sounds Did like... a volunteer's tribute? Uh, no, yeah. no, that sounds like a registrar's absolute nightmare. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's so many objects. Oh my God, so many objects <sighs> that you have to clean mm-hmm. and inventory. Mm-hmm. What if they get audited, Julia? I had a, um, a somebody that was in my cohort in grad school interned there. Really? And they said that the building did not have good... Uh, and at the time did not have a good HVAC system oh, so that no. like the archives they would have a window open with nope. like the breeze coming in Absolutely. like no screen or anything just like the wind coming in uh, no mm-hmm. that's terrible that's a that Brazilian historical that's yes. that waiting to happen that's terrible so oh I mean maybe they've done some uh, upgrades since then we'll that's see true. I'm not gonna pass my museum judgment on them so the museum was built by Charles Reed Bishop, who was alive in the 19th century. He was a businessman and philanthropist who was also a co-founder of the First Hawaiian Bank and the Kamehameha Schools. Um, he founded this in memory of his late wife, Princess Bernice Pahawi Bishop, um, who was alive from 1831 to 1884. Bernice was born into the royal family and was the last legal heir of the Kamehameha dynasty. And uh, Bishop had originally intended the museum to house fairly heirlooms passed down to him through the royal family and the royal lineage okay. of his wife. But it kind of morphed into like, Everything. everything here <laughs> yeah. everything hawaiian goes in so here. yeah the bishop museum is like the big 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 yeah. hawaiian museum to check out four million objects oh my god mm-hmm. uh did you know hawaii is part of the u.s interstate highway system uh mm, <laughs> turns out not all interstates physically go from one state to another okay <laughs> the name merely implies that the roads receive federal funding um so hawaii's major highways became interstates as part of the dwight d eisenhower system of interstate and national defense highways which were designed to protect the u.s from a soviet invasion by making it easier to get supplies from one military base to another i see okay so when you're like interst get on the interstate That's crazy I want to tell you about a few notable U.S. politicians from Hawaii. Okay, great. So first, Patsy T. Mink. 
She was the first woman of color and the first Asian American elected to Congress. Um, she oh. authored Title IX, a oh, legislation here. that bans gender discrimination among federally funded education programs. Uh, she served in Congress from 1965 to 1977 and then from 1990 to 2002. She's also the first Asian American to seek the presidential nomination of the Democratic Party. Um, in the 1972 election, she stood in the Oregon primary as an anti-war candidate. But she's probably best known for um, Title, for Title IX. IX. Patsy yeah. T. Mink. Then you have uh, Daniel Inouye. He was yes. president pro tem of the U.S. Senate, third in presidential line of succession from 2010 until his death in 2012, making him the highest ranking Asian American politician in U.S. history. Um, he fought in World War II. Uh, he was elected as the first Hawaiian member to the U.S. House of Representatives in 1959, and he was elected to the U.S. Senate in 1962. He never lost an election in 58 years. Oh, my yeah. gosh. He yes. was He's adorable right he was so well loved <laughs> oh my goodness such a sweet little man he was the first japanese american to serve in the house and senate and honolulu international airport has since been renamed the daniel k Inouye international airport That's in cool. his honor uh i also have a note here that uh barack hussein obama the second was born august 4th 1961 in Doesn't honolulu um i wonder yeah i wonder what's going on with him mm. must have mm. been a an extra copy from the wikipedia yeah yeah <laughs> I copy and pasted wrong. Um, so yeah, Obama's the only president who was born outside of the contiguous 48 states. Oh, sure, yeah. Okay, a couple more things. The Hawaiian state quarter is the only one to feature a monarch. The reverse oh. of Hawaii's quarter features King Kamehameha the first, stretching his hand toward the eight major Hawaiian islands. Every year during the month of June, Hawaii comes together to celebrate King Kamehameha Day, a state holiday that honors him. It is also the only public state holiday in the U.S. that honors a monarch. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Okay. Hawaii Five-0. I, yeah. It was I used a to watch procedural it. drama from CBS, which originally aired for 12 seasons from 1968 to 1980. Uh, so this is the show where Bookum Dano was yeah. the catchphrase. I'm dancing in my chair. Yep. It's very good. It's like the Watusi. Yes. So... Also, the Hawaii-based television show Magnum P.I. was created after Hawaii Five-0 ended its run in order to make further use of the expensive production facilities created there for Five-0. <laughs> um, so that is, it's spelled Hawaii Five, F-I-V-E dash the letter O. Yeah. Okay. The 2010 reboot of the show is not Hawaii Five-0, but Hawaii Five-Zero. I didn't realize that. So it's Hawaii Five-Zero? The reboot 5-0? is Hawaii Five dash this. The, the, ma- the, num- zero. the number the, the number zero oh, the instead of the letter the letter out but people still call it for uh, hawaii 5 yeah. oh yeah because okay. like when people say oh well, yeah zero. of course yeah. Uh-huh. um also 5 was about a force of police in the 50th state hence the 5 i didn't know that it did not even that didn't even occur to me so on the show the cops would announce themselves saying police 5 and from there, the term became widely adopted as a way to announce the presence of police. You just blew, you just blew my mind. What? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's from the TV show? Yeah. What? Everything I know is a lie. That's amazing. I had no idea. Yep. Ugh. And then finally, 
Leo's Hawaiian Punch was created as an ice cream <laughs> topping syrup in 1934 by A.W. Leo, Tom Yeats, and Frith Harrison in a converted garage in Fullerton, California. It originally contained five fruit juices, orange, pineapple, passion fruit, guava, and papaya, all imported from Hawaii. Customers later discovered that it made an appealing drink when mixed with water, but Hawaiian Punch was only available wholesale in gallon glass jugs to ice cream parlors and soda fountains. The product was then bought and sold a bunch of times and is now owned by Dr. Pepple's Dr. Pebble Snapple Group. Dr. Pepper <laughs> Snapple Group. Oh, yep. The Dr. Pebble Snapple Group. Inc. <laughs> the current formulation of Hawaiian Punch is called Fruit Juicy Red and is composed of seven fruit flavors. Mm. Apple, apricot, guava, orange, papaya, passion fruit, and pineapple. And the characters from the cartoon ads for the product are named Punchy and Opie. What is that weird coxcomb thing on his head? I think it's a hat. I think it's supposed to be like a straw hat. Oh, like a straw hat with the brim upturned. Oh, I always thought it was like his hair. Or... Yeah. I just recently discovered that he's wearing like a Hawaiian shirt. Yes. So, I mean, I and guess you, I... And you know the tagline. Uh, Want a punch? Want a... How about a nice Hawaiian punch? How about a nice Hawaiian punch? Yes. Yes. Of course that, I do. That's it. There you go. Yay. Now you know about Hawaii. Oh, I feel so um, educated and also warm and island lifey. So a quiz is called Aloha and Hello. This is a quiz in which all of your answers will be spelled only with the letters of the Hawaiian alphabet. So those are the five vowels, A, E, I, O, and U, and the eight consonants, H, K, L, M, N, P, W, and Okina. I don't think you, I don't know. There's no Okina? Okay. (laughs) I don't know if you'll need to write it all down, but I I think you'll be fine. Okay. Okay. Question one. This herbivore loves spending time down in a certain land populated by other creatures who carry their own belongings, including its closest living relative, the wombat. While it doesn't have many natural predators, this type of animal is super susceptible to chlamydia, despite its asocial tendencies. Name that mammal. Question two. This word means a type of website on which users collaboratively modify content and structure directly from their web browser. It doesn't just refer to an encyclopedia project. What kind of site is this? Also a Hawaiian word meaning quick. Question three. You wouldn't like him when he's angry. The Gamma Ray exposed comic book character was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in 1962. Name that alter ego of Robert Bruce Banner. Question four. This musical instrument comes in four common sizes, soprano, concert, tenor, and baritone. Its name roughly translates to jumping flea, though no word if it made it over the rainbow. Name that instrument. Question five. Don't crea for me, Argent, I mean Peru. A full-size one of these woolly animals can be as tall as a human man and weigh as much as an NFL linebacker. Players of a specific online trivia game have also embraced this creature as their mascot. Name that animal. Question six. This media franchise has been going strong since 1996 when Red and Green were released to the public in Japan. Over time, these creatures have appeared in video games, trading card games, and animated television series, and in 2017, the World Video Game Hall of Fame at the Strong. Name that franchise. Question seven, use those muscles. This particularly taxing exercise requires a person's body to be suspended by the arms while gripping a bar and using their latissimus dorsi, biceps, and rear deltoid to elevate the body. What is this exercise? Also used in the Marine Corps as part of the physical fitness test. Question eight, this US state, which you might get to at some point, has a name derived from the Choctaw language as well as residents from 67 Native American tribes. It also plays a major role in the Grapes of Wrath. Name that U.S. state. 
Question nine. While a Twinkie doesn't quite fit the theme, this other cylindrical cream-filled snack cake sure does. Based on what our great British baking friends would call a Swiss roll, this tasty treat showed up in many a 90s kid lunchbox. Name that snack. And finally, question 10. What word completes the following song titles? Blank Street by Van Halen. Blank Mr. Mustard by The Beatles. And Blank Disposition by The Rolling Stones. I'll give you about a minute to think, and we'll be back with your answers. I was feeling really good there until like question eight. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you'll get it. Okay. <clears throat> All okay. right. <clears throat> question one. This herbivore loves spending time down in a certain land populated by other creatures who carry their own belongings, including its closest living relative, the wombat. While it doesn't have many natural predators, this type of animal is super susceptible chlamydia, despite its asocial tendencies. Name that mammal. That's a koala. It is a koala. So um, a koala is a marsupial, which is a type of mammal. So the word marsupial comes from marsupium, the technical term for the abdominal pouch. Oh, I didn't know that. I did not know that. Uh, koalas typically inhabit open eucalyptus woodlands and leaves of these trees make up most of their diet. Um, because of this uh, diet has limited nutritional and caloric content, koalas are largely sedentary and may sleep up to 20 hours a day. Uh, by the way, koala retrovirus is a virus that is present in many populations of koalas and it has been implicated as the agent of koala immune deficiency syndrome or oh. KIDS, which oh, is no. an AIDS-like immunodeficiency <gasps> that leaves infected koalas more susceptible to infectious diseases and cancers. That's so sad. So... These koalas, these poor koalas, they're just walking around. And they I might had a get stuffed kids. koala growing up. Aww. His name was Peanut Butter. That's a good name for yeah, a koala. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, I thought so too. Bless him. <laughs> Question two. This word means a type of website on which users collaboratively modify content and structure directly from their web browser. It doesn't just refer to an encyclopedia project. What kind of site is this? Also a Hawaiian word meaning quick. Uh, that's a wiki. A wiki. Uh, the first ever wiki was called Wiki Wiki Web, <laughs> and it was launched in March 1995 by, by its inventor, programmer, Ward Cunningham, to accompany the Portland Pattern Repository website discussing software design patterns. So oh. the first ever wiki was the Wiki Wiki Web. Wiki Wiki Web. Question three. You wouldn't like him when he's angry. This gamma ray exposed comic book character was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in 1962. Name that alter ego of Robert Bruce Banner. That's the Incredible Hulk. It is the Hulk. Um, his uh, level of strength is normally conveyed as proportionate to his level of anger. Yes. FYI. 
Question four. This musical instrument comes in four common sizes, soprano, concert, tenor, and baritone. Its name roughly translates to jumping flea, though no word if it made it over the rainbow. Name that instrument. That's a ukulele. It is the ukulele. It originated in the 19th century as a Hawaiian adaptation of the Portuguese machete, a small guitar-like instrument, which was introduced to Hawaii by Portuguese immigrants, mainly from Madeira and the Azores. Oh, interesting. My dad bought a ukulele after visiting um, Key West once. <laughs> Because <laughs> they had a ukulele night at a local bar where everyone oh, brings their ukulele wow. and everyone plays along. Plingy, 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 yeah. plingy, plingy. It's very plinky. Question five. Don't crea for me, Argent. I mean, Peru. A full-size one of these woolly animals can be as tall as a human man and weigh as much as an NFL linebacker. Players of a specific online trivia game have also embraced this creature as their mascot. Name that animal. Uh, that's a llama. It is a llama. We are both llamas. We are, indeed. Um, llamas appear to have originated from the central plains of North America about 40 million years ago, and they migrated to South America about 3 million years ago during the Great American Interchange. By the end of the last ice age, camelids were extinct in North America. But oh. as of 2007, there are over 7 million llamas and alpacas in South America, and thanks to imports, more than 150,000 in the U.S. and Canada. So they're back, baby. They're back in a big way. Question six. This media franchise has been going strong since 1996 when Red and Green were released to the public in Japan. Over time, these creatures have appeared in video games, trading card games, an animated television series, and in 2017, the World Video Game Hall of Fame at the Strong. Name that franchise. Those are Pokemans. Pokemon. Again. So um, in 1996, <laughs> Nintendo published the first installment in the Pokemon series, which were a pair of games known as Pocket Monsters Aka for red and Midori for green, which starred creatures with special powers that the characters could collect. Um, outside of Japan, the original games were released as red and blue. And I don't know why they weren't, they why green. they were red and blue instead of red and green. That's weird. I, um, I should have, and then I didn't because I was assembling information, but there was a whole thing about frog creatures in Pokemon Ooh, lore, yeah. and I was going to have you name all of them. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> um, but uh, I think there was like four or five, oh, maybe. Boy. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot. But uh, I did Thanks, so. Thanks Next for time. that. Yeah. Question seven. Use those muscles. This particularly taxing exercise requires a person's body to be suspended by the arms while gripping a bar and using their latissimus dorsi, biceps, and rear deltoid to elevate the body. What is this exercise, which is also used in the Marine Corps as part of the physical fitness test? Is this a pull-up? It is a pull-up. Great. Uh, pull-ups can be done with a supinated, neutral, or pronated grip, often called chin-ups, hammer grip pull-ups, or pull-ups. Grips may match each other or be different and called a mixed grip pull-up that way. So you could have like one hand, one palm facing you and the other one facing Oh, I away. see. Yeah. Question eight. This U.S. state, which you might get to at some point, has a name derived from the Choctaw language, as well as residents from 67 Native American tribes. It also plays a major role in the Grapes of Wrath. Name that U.S. state. Um, is it... Oklahoma, where the wind comes. I didn't know how long you were going to hold that. I was thinking about doing it for longer, but Uh I think I I got the point across. (laughs) It is Oklahoma. Okay. It is Oklahoma. (laughs) There are four U.S. states that can be spelled using only the letters of the Hawaiian alphabet. Okay. Yes. Ohio. Sure. Iowa, Mm. Maine, and Oklahoma. Good to know. Mm Mm-hmm. Question nine. While a Twinkie doesn't quite fit the theme, this other cylindrical cream-filled snack cake sure does. Based on what our great British baking friends would call a Swiss roll, this tasty treat showed up in many a 90s kid lunchbox. Name that snack. I am. 
beside myself <laughs> because I all I can think of is Swiss roll. Oh, and it's not that's called like a the Swiss generic. Roll. I know. It's called a. It's little Debbie roll. Little Debbie roll. No roll for Debbie. Um, cream filled cylinder puff. <laughs> um, what's it called? A ho ho. Oh ho ho. I ate those every, like every week when I was growing up. Oh, oh my God. Eight-year-old Lauren is oh. so mad at me right now. A ho-ho. A ho-ho. Oh, man. Ho-hos have been around since 1920. Uh, Hostess Brands was established in 1930 as Interstate Bakeries Corporation, and they decided to create a mascot for this product in the 1970s. And the mascot's name was Happy Ho-Ho. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame. And then finally, what word completes the following song titles? Blank Street by Van Halen, Blank Mr. Mustard by the Beatles, and Blank Disposition by the Rolling Stones. Is it Aloha? No, it's not. That's not my answer. Is it hello? Is it? Oh, no. Wait, no. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Um, Is it? Hi there, Mr. Mustard. Hey there, Mr. Mustard. <laughs> Walking down the street. <laughs> I don't I'd know. like to spread you on some bread. I think you'd be a treat for my sandwich. That was very good. Um, I don't know. What is it? I is it sweet? No. Don't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I'm just gonna get what is it? Just tell me. The word is mean. Mean, mm-hmm. mean street, mean disposition, mean Mr. Mustard. Damn it, I should have got with the Mr. Mustard one. I wasn't going to get there. Not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, wow. And that's everything. Thank you, Julia. Thanks, <laughs> Thank thanks you, Julia. for hanging. Thanks for hanging in there. I apologize. There was for a lot to go over today. I'm sorry. No, it was very good. Do not apologize. It was excellent. We should do more. Entire episodes on just singular states <laughs> that would really take care of at least fifty episodes just right yeah, off the bat. Just start penciling them onto yeah. the calendar. Interesting states, though. Like, yeah, none of these boring states. You D- know what I'm D- talking D- about, guys. The Dakotas. <laughs> I know. Snore. We can wrap those into one. Okay, it'll be a Fair. half an hour up. Yeah. Um. Well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um. If you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, tweet at us at MissInfoPod. Uh, you can email us for MissInfoPod at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page, Misinformation, a trivia podcast. And we have a website, www.missinfopod.com. You can also stream at us at that website. And uh, you can get us, you can listen to us at anywhere you get podcasts. Anywhere. You can find us. You guys, we trust you guys. Oh, yeah. They're oh. very smart listeners. Oh. I mean, they listen to us. They're <laughs> incredibly intelligent. Um, and, uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, please tell a friend. Uh, it helps us when we have more people giving us reviews and, uh, it helps us to be a little bit more visible. So, um, so thanks for so much for listening guys. Yeah. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.